On today's show, our all-gay panel reviews Queen Biopic, A Bohemian Rhapsody, and discusses collaborating with other artists, which is a topic plucked from the themes of the movie. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to the You Better Represent podcast, where each week we explore representation in cinema by reviewing a minority-led film with members of that underrepresented community and debate a cultural topic plucked from the movie's themes. Um, Also, monthly bonus episodes will feature one-on-one interviews with creators discussing representation in their creative fields, but this is specifically a review episode. So joining me for today's review is award-winning filmmaker and comedian Robert Watson. Let's get ready to rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. So uh, let's just jump straight into uh, this week's movie because I have a lot of feelings and I'm sure you do as well. Um, Me too. This week's movie of the week is Queen Biopic Bohemian Rhapsody from 2018. And the movie is about the story of the legendary British rock band Queen and their lead singer, um, openly bisexual. Well, maybe not at the time. He wasn't that openly bisexual, but um, Freddie Mercury. um, And uh, it, it takes them from their beginnings leading up to their famous performance at Live Aid. 1985. This movie was directed by Brian Singer, um, although he had to leave halfway through due to, um, I'm not totally sure, it was some weird controversy. He didn't get to complete the film. It was completed by Dexter Fletcher, um, even though Brian Singer gets the sole director's credit due to, I don't know, director's guild rules. But it it actually was finished by Dexter Mm -hmm. Fletcher. Um, It was written by Anthony McCartan and Peter Morgan, and it stars uh, Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury, uh, Gwillem Lee as Brian May, uh, Joe Mazzello as John Deacon, um, Aidan Gillen as John Reed, and Alan Leach as Paul Prenter. Oh, also uh, Lucy Boynton as Mary Austin. So this was actually produced by um, Queen's manager, Jim Beach, who appears in the movie with the nickname Miami. So his name is uh, Miami Beach, um, according to some people. Uh, (laughs) Also, it had involvement from Brian May and Roger Taylor, of course, members of the band Queen. Yes. Um, which uh, maybe helped or maybe hindered the actual development of the plot, uh, mm-hmm. which we, we will get into now. Um, let me throw it to uh, to uh, to my partner, um, my uh, my on screen uh, on podcast partner uh, Robert Watson for your half. thoughts. <laughs> yes, what is uh what are your yeah. thoughts on Bohemian Rhapsody and their depiction of, you know, LGBTQ icon Freddie Mercury? <sighs> yeah, I'll take a breath before <laughs> I start talking about this one. Okay, well first of all, uh I have read some things about why Brian Singer didn't finish the flick because this is all of course in the middle of a lot of Me Too happenings, uh which is of course uh a good thing and uh Brian Singer, some allegations came to light about him being inappropriate with young men. Uh, That's probably putting it lightly. 
And uh, I believe that uh, that in combination with uh, poor behavior on set is what got him fired. And Rami Malek was the one who found uh, and requested that Dexter Fletcher come and finish the film. So this may be Brian Singer's last film because he's left or at least on a hiatus from the industry in disgrace while he deals with these allegations wow. of being, uh, you know, sexually inappropriate with uh, underaged uh, men. So uh, that's not a great bit of representation, is it? No, <laughs> no, it is not. You know, he is he is the only um, queer um, creative on this whole project. So it is unfortunate that... Um, that he yeah. is also, or alleged to be, a sexual predator by four separate men, according to a report in The Atlantic. But, uh, yeah, that is un- unfortunate. Um, but uh, What a way to start the represent of this podcast, huh? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know what? Brian Singer ruined the... X-Men 3 was terrible, and he directed that, and he ruined the previous two X-Men films just by directing that number three, so he, he was already bad in my books. Anyways, the movie! <laughs> <laughs> so, this movie, I mean, I have a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of veracity issues with this movie, and I'll get into that later, because that's, uh, you know, this what we're talking about is like first impressions of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, this is such a biopic. I mean, we, we talked about... Um, uh, about the Elton John uh, biopic Rocket Man, which which you know delved into this idea of fantasy and gave us some fantastical elements and like yeah. you know this is sort of like memoir in, or interpretation of ideas in order to make like some sort of Gene Kelly esque magic uh, fantasia. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody is not that. It is a straightforward biopic, and you know it's it as a result it's very predictable. I mean, you're like, oh, they started out, you know, from humble beginnings, and then they hit it big, and then they have some trouble, and then they solve it in the end. Like, that's the story. Um, yeah. And that is a biopic story, right? Like, that, I mean, we've seen it with a lot of people, you know, uh, where it's like, I don't know. I mean, take your pick of of popular artists. You know, you can go back to the jazz era if you want. Um, those biopics that we've seen about, you know, Billie Holiday or... Um, you know, and all these biopics where they want to show an artist um, having trouble. So, you yeah. know, I mean, to the point where they were like flashing the names of cities on the screen where it's like, we toured to, to you know, Israel and then Japan and then to Russia and then, well, maybe not Russia yeah. in the 80s. But um, so like for that, I was like, it's so predictable. And the thing I couldn't, and I, I thought Rami Malek was great in this uh, film except for the fact that they had to put those, like the prosthetic teeth were too much. Oh yeah! Like they just were too much. Like they blocked. They to the point where it was like obstructing his speech. I thought it's like you know what we we would have gotten the idea with a smaller prosthetic, and you know, and the poor actor has to act through this. I mean, I mean, I would have given him a award just for getting through that with that prosthetic uh, uh, teeth thing. So yeah, um, good for him. But I, I mean. I thought I, 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 I some of the themes of the idea of like band as family and stuff like that were like you know done, but they could have been done a bit better or for where away where I felt like it wasn't just trying to make the band look good. That's what I felt this whole movie was about was trying to make the band look good. Yeah, it was weird. Like I don't know. Well, because. Because it was produced by the surviving members of the band, like they came off looking yeah. pretty great, um, and Freddie came <laughs> off looking pretty terrible. Which you know, yeah, no good, you know, like good for the band, I guess. But like you know, Freddie mm. is a really important 
you know, bisexual icon, gay or bisexual icon, however you uh, you, you want to put it. But he he's really important to the LGBTQ community, um, yeah, especially really as somebody who 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 died of complications from HIV AIDS. So to treat mm-hmm. him in this way was like, oh my goodness, it was it was it just was. so I don't know for me. You know, as you mentioned, we recently reviewed Rocket Man, um, which uh, which had full involvement from Elton John, and you know, I I'll just put it this way: if Freddie Mercury was alive, I don't think this would have been made in this way. I think it's kind of unfair to yeah. him and his no agency, kidding. the way his um, sexuality was presented kind of like he wasn't in control of his life just other people were like you know forcing him to do things and just everything so here's the thing for me i i I think Mm -hmm. the thing that stuck out most is you know with rocket man it it had a clear like um um artistic intention you know it was you know we have the narrative frame of you know alcoholics anonymous or drug Drugs Anonymous, um, and using that to go in and out. It, it wasn't meant to be real, you know. They reordered the music. They, you know, you kind of knew it wasn't. It wasn't being presented as this is real. This is just sort of like you know dreamscapes across somebody's life yeah, set to yeah. music, which is, which is cool. This I was like, okay, so it was two things. So it's trying to be a biopic, a chronological biopic, but then the narrative frame they chose to start and finish the movie was the live aid performance and in some ways it feels like the whole point of this movie was to get to that like you know like full remake of um their live aid performance i think way it ended like the last 15 minutes like they did the full set um yeah like they yeah they 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 literally just recreated the performance it just felt like the point of the movie was to recreate that performance but then in between that They have this biopic and, you know, listen, I'm all for, you know, (laughs) biopics, exaggerating things or playing up drama. Like this isn't real life. This isn't like, you know, when I'm watching The Crown on Netflix, I know some people in Britain got mad. It wasn't real to life. I get it. It's 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 not supposed to be real, but I feel like Queen has is so interesting. The real life stuff is so interesting that it just felt like they took every biopic cliche and then threw Queen's name oh on it God, yes. and none of that happened. So, you know, I, and Liz, I, I, I hate to do this section because I'm like, you know what? I get it. You can, you can, it's a movie, make it, make it a fun movie, but like it just, <laughs> it shouldn't be less interesting than the real person's life and making the real person's life being like a set of cliches. So like, let, let's start from the beginning the whole thing of like selling the van to get studio time. Like that's such a cliche. They did not, that did not happen oh first of all, because they had friends who owned a studio. So, you know, I think also yeah. I, I think the most egregious part, and you know what, and I'm going to call out Brian May and Roger Taylor from Queen, like, how could they do their friend in like this? Of the whole thing no about Freddie, you know, 
wanting to do a solo album and then that breaking up the band and them hating him for it. When the fact is he was like the third one that put out a solo album. They had both already done solo albums before he did and it wasn't a big deal and they didn't break up over it. And I'm just like, I get it. It's, it's a movie. It doesn't have to stick to real life, but you're really going to stab him in the back like that. Like you literally already had solo albums. Like that. I feel like that's a big detail to sort of insert and then also the whole thing with you know once they decided that was like the big controversy in the movie then they also like stabbed john reed in the back who is like their original manager um as like this shady guy who you know tried to get him to do a solo album when in real life it was John Reed was also the manager of Elton John who just got so famous that he decided he couldn't take on both clients so it was a very amicable split so it's just like all the drama came from this fake solo record thing that I just feel like like you know what? There's been real life queen biographies, um, many books written. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of drama in their real life. Like, there is a lot of drama. Yeah, you can, you can find it. From. You don't have to look too far. You don't have to make it up. No kidding. Uh, for no, I know like, for me though too. You're talking about. Yeah, go ahead then. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say like I don't know if it was like the writers were hamstrung by the band members, or. Um, I don't know. I just don't know how. I I will. I'm just gonna say, shame on you, <laughs> existing band members. How could you let them? Like, shame on you from the whole queer community. How can you turn like your real life story, which was super interesting, into Freddie Mercury being the villain that broke up the band? And no kidding. Even even like other things, like you know, like bringing up this whole drama of Freddie Mercury coming out to his parents, which he never even did in real life. So it's just sort of like this queer baiting moment. Like you're writing about, you know, a queer icon coming out. Like you you might want to get the facts straight. Also, like, you know, he did not, he did not, he did not get diagnosed with HIV until after Live Aid. It's just, you know what? I, I, I know some people are going to listen to this and be like, you know, Vong, dude, chill. This is, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit. Not yeah, all the facts have to be right, but for we're talking about gay representation. For those are really important facts. Like I'm, I'm sorry. It just, it just, I don't know. Some things you just can't mess with. And making up a, you know, two straight male writers making up a fake coming out sequence for no kidding you know a queer icon is not what i need in terms of representation of a movie um what what are your thoughts on that robert well i I, it's funny how you talk about vilifying um freddie mercury because i think it actually is a little bit more insidious than than even that just getting facts wrong it's in it's in how the story was sold and even the the direction of the story and this is where it goes you know like brian brian singer the director being the the lgbtq representation in the room obviously had no interest in correcting any of these these things and in fact um perpetuated it with the tone of how some things were filmed uh i mean first of all you know spending so much time on on the the you know mary austin side of the story and yes they had, mm-hmm. you know freddie mercury they were 
engaged. They were they had a relationship. You know, he moved on on from it. They spent so much time on that, and then and you know this whole like trying to frame Mary as like this wholesome ideal that he comes back to or that he longs for in a weird way, you know, when he's not doing well with all his partying and stuff. But whenever there was anything that was about, um, you know, a homosexual uh, relationship or homosexual sex or anything like that, uh, in watching the film, you can, you feel the music change. It feels ominous. Uh, There's suddenly a lot of use of red light, you know, and so it's making gay, it's vilifying both Freddie Mercury and gay sex. And it's just such a trope and stereotype of, of let's vilify gay sex because it's dangerous. It's like, yes, it was dangerous, but not dangerous as in like the people who were doing it were evil. Um, and, and then be like, and then let's show how they, how, you know, they find out that they have a disease because of their promiscuous ways and they get what's coming to them. I mean, that was the tone of the entire Freddie, Freddie Mercury. And there was just so little sympathy for him because they were painting him as a villain otherwise. It was yeah. just absolutely infuriating to watch, uh, watch Queen just completely bash a person who can't defend themselves now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, and it felt like, it felt like a pile on. And it's like the fact that Rami Malek got an Oscar for it is like, of course, like for his acting, I guess, but I'm, I'm disappointed in basically everyone involved for letting all of this slide. And I remember in 2018, there was such a campaign among, uh, you know, different uh, queer people to be like, this, this show is not going to be the the show that the gays are hoping for. And 100% they're right. This is not the movie you yeah. want to see about Freddie Mercury. Watch a bio a documentary that's more sympathetic to him is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, honestly, I don't know if this is like, you know, wish fulfillment, I think. Like from the, I don't know. I, I'm making a lot of leaps in logic here because I don't know how much the current band members were involved, but they 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 put their names on it. So I'm I'm gonna say they were involved, mm-hmm. and their current manager is the one who produced the film. So I just don't know how exactly current manager. They, they're all about happened. making money now. Oh, they're about making yeah. money right now. That's the thing. And that, so they're like, let's throw him under the bus. We've got Adam Lambert as our backup sing, uh, backup lead singer. <laughs> Uh, we'll go touring with him, make a truckload of money, and let this movie bash our original singer, who obviously Brian May wanted to get back at for something. Dear Lord. I blame this all on yeah. Brian May, I've decided. Like, <laughs> for me, the wish fulfillment is like, because, like, knowing the real life thing and how, like, the solo albums released in a very different order, um, it, just that whole scene of like Freddie Mercury coming back to his bandmates crawling on like hands and knees asking for forgiveness. I was like, what kind of crazy wish fulfillment is this from the remaining band members to like create this scene of him like throwing himself (laughs) like uh, to (laughs) beg for their forgiveness? Like, are you, are you effing kidding me people? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, if it happened in real life, I'd be like, okay, fine. But, like, the fact that now we know that's, like, a totally fake, <laughs> I don't know. That just seems weird. That seems weird. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I, I would be able to, to do that to somebody's memory. And because it got <laughs> all these accolades, people are going to think this is real. <laughs> like... 
Yeah, oh. the revisionist history on this is ridiculous. Like, so one, even one last right then, they, they say that like, you know, Freddie Mercury's like, oh, you know, my voice isn't working out and we haven't sung together and played together and so on. Live Aid happened at the, at the very end of a Queen world tour. They were prepped. They were at the peak of their game when they performed at Live Aid. So, you know, selling the performances being like, triumphant it appeared like magic it's like no these guys were well rehearsed and now they're selling it like they hadn't been together for two years or three years um i mean everything about this is just a crock yeah i just wish i don't know if they're gonna just make everything up then you know me like if i had total liberty to recreate queen's story without having to um like adhere to any facts i would i'd be able to write a better movie than this instead of just throwing in every biopic cliche and throwing queen's name on it and if i if i had the rich history of queen i feel like you know you could take their real life stuff and probably you probably don't even have to dramatize it that much like the stories people are telling are there's some crazy shit that happened like come on now like it was not it was not hard finding drama in Queen's story. Like, I don't, I don't understand how you just don't, I don't know. I don't know. This is a, a very disappointing. And honestly, I will say, you know, so we are, we're supposed to record this like about two weeks ago when, when, when we first watched this movie. And I feel like the, our listeners are probably a little bit fortunate that I've had like two weeks to calm <laughs> down because I was so not true. this calm when I was watching. I'm like screaming no at the TV. I'm like, I'm like, how could you do this? How could you? I was <laughs> like, too. no, no, no. I was like, oh my God. It was just so, oh, it was, I don't know. And then, yeah, just to see the accolades piled on top of it just was like, rubbing but you know we know now like whenever a straight man plays somebody gay or somebody transgender or somebody queer they're just seen as like so heroic to have to like play that um and then they win all these goddamn awards but it's like no uh, no, like give me a break i i no 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 and uh yeah Yeah, that's my one word review for this movie no (laughs) like just stop people (laughs) stop it (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll leave, uh, I'll, uh, I'll throw to you, Robert, for, for last words and hopefully you're, um, you'll be more coherent than my, uh, my last ramble of, uh, random words. Well, quite, quite honestly, as a, as a person who is part of the LGBTQ community and someone who loves music, uh, this movie is just a disappointment all the way around, uh. I, I, anyone who actually loves and knows Queen just shouldn't watch it because you'll just be angry like we were. If you're an LGBTQ yeah. member, uh, you'll be angry about the way they dishonestly portray our community. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a no for me. <laughs> uh, okay, on that note, that wraps up our review and first segment. We will be right back after the short commercial break with our second segment where we discuss a topic plucked from the movie's themes. And this week's theme is collaborating with artists versus working solo. Even though that was a fake theme from the movie, they decided to make it (laughs) the central central theme. So we will discuss it even though it was not at all based on real life. But we will be right back. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What up, what up, listeners? Welcome back after that very short commercial break. We are here with our second segment. I am still here with award-winning comedian Robert Watson, and we are now going to um, jump into our second segment where we uh, discuss a topic plucked from the themes of the movie. This week's movie, of course, was Bohemian Rhapsody, and the topic we're going to discuss is collaborating with other artists versus going solo, working on solo projects. Even though I will once again state that part of the movie was completely fake. Um, so uh, the writers who decided to make that the central conflict for some reason, despite the fact that Freddie Mercury was the third of the band members to release a solo album. Shame on you. Um, but you know what? It does bring up a, a really good topic because this is something that as, you know, as both of us being being stand-up comedians, among other things, you know, most of the time we do work solo, but sometimes we obviously, this podcast is a collaboration between the two of us, and we've yeah. also collaborated on other things. And, you know, um, uh, Robert, when I say uh, Robert is award-winning, um, um, one of his many awards was for um, a, a web series called A Gay Victorian Affair. Obviously, filmmaking... Yes, that's collaborative. You know, yeah, clearly you cannot make you cannot hold the camera, point it at yourself, write the script, do it. It is not possible. So um, it's obviously uh, Robert's worked on very collaborative projects. So I'll, I'll I'll start with you, Robert. What's like when when is it beneficial to collaborate versus um, working on your own? Well, I mean, like you said, like it's next to impossible to make something for film or TV without collaborating with a bunch of other people and finding that way to be all in sync to create a product that is what was the goal uh, to begin with. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, too, that, you know, the collaborative process, uh, the writer isn't necessarily the, the person who makes all the decisions or the director who makes all the decisions because things like budget come into play. Uh, so everything has to be collaborated and discussed of like, OK, well, we don't have the budget to do this. What do we have the budget to do and how do we figure that out? The, the problem solving aspects of collaborating on TV and film are probably both the most you know, frustrating, but also the most fulfilling when you find that solution. And for that, I love the I love the collaboration that exists in that. Of course, my film collaborator is my husband, uh, Andrew Lamb, and he, you know we have a great shorthand. And when you have something like that, that is uh, something that's very helpful as well, because you know if you can, if you're really in sync with the with your 
collaborating partner. It can make for magical creations. Uh, and you know what? Sometimes that's really hard to find as well, to come by. Uh, not every one that I've collaborated with has been something where I'm like, oh, I want to collaborate with that person again. You know, you, you sort of learn <laughs> as you go, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think for me in particular, knowing, when you collaborate with someone, it's always good to know that there's someone who's at the top making the final decision. That I think is yes. a key to collaborating. If people come together and like, hey, we're going to make something. And it's always like, what do you think? I don't know. Well, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? That's when collaborations start heading towards trouble in, in my books. Yeah, I think I'm I, I'm I'm of similar mind. I think I think when people work with me, they just assume that I always need final control because I'm you know I'm very, let's you know some people say control freak, some people say detail oriented. Um, either you want to put it, but what I understand, and this is probably more from my background in in playing sports, where similarly people always think I have to be the captain, but it's actually not the case because one thing I know is when I'm not the captain, I just want somebody to, there just needs to be a captain, captaining mm -hmm. the ship. And for me, the analogy, the analogy I always use is like, you know, um, like, you know, those Olympic rowers and you have that one person at the front that's like yelling at them. So they know yeah. like, to keep in tune. And the coxswain, like, is that what they're called? I don't know. It's, it's a dirty word oh. that I don't say that often. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's coxswain or whatever. It, so for me, there just needs to be that one person yelling at the front. That doesn't mean they're the most talented person. That doesn't mean, like, it just means, like, there just needs to be that person. And there can't be two of them or else everybody gets yeah. confused. And one thing I always say in with, with, um, with team sports, and this really comes up, is even if you disagree with the person making the call, like you, and this is for me, when I'm not captaining, I usually just like, just shut up. And if I, if I have something to say, I'll like wait till like after the match and just talk one-on-one -on -one because I would never want to show up the person who's actually doing the captaining because mm -hmm. like, even if I like, let's go back to the rowboat analogy. I'm like, even if I think we're doing the wrong timing, we could have like, you know, more speed or whatever, something's wrong. If I don't listen and I just decide I'm right and I do it my way, the boat goes sideways because it's yeah. better to be all wrong together <laughs> than to be right apart because then the boat just doesn't move anywhere. So for me, even if I think we're completely going in the wrong direction, I'm still going to listen because I know what's worse is me paddling on my own and taking us off course. Um, if, <laughs> if that makes, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So, you know, for me, you know, with, 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 with stand-up comedy, you know, obviously that that sort of works itself out. But um, yeah, I'm I'm actually very um, I don't know. I guess for me, the project needs to feel like the two people will do better together, <laughs> if mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And like like for instance, for for this podcast, I know like you know one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast is because like on stage, I'm very pre-written, like word for word, syllable for syllable. And, you know, in stand-up, you pretend like you're coming up with it on the spot. But no, I'm literally, because English is not my first language and I grew up with a bit of a speech impediment. So I have to like, you know, I have to go through syllable by syllable and remove mm -hmm. anything that I would have difficult saying or things that I might stutter on stage. So it's literally syllable by syllable. So for this, I knew I needed 
like collaborators and specifically I wanted to work with you Robert because um like I just know that you would bring out a part of me that I can't bring out on stage because it's so rehearsed um and I feel like collaborating with different people so you know like I would only collaborate if I feel like it made the project better and mm. sometimes like you know um yeah if and and especially if I feel like I'm the one holding back the project, I will definitely leave because I just don't, I would never want to feel like, you know, something would be, if I feel like something would be better without me, I will definitely just, you know, leave the project, you know, obviously try and For sure, it unless it's your baby, um, of course. Like if you're the one who made yeah. it in the first place, I'd be like, no, everyone else leave, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> everyone else, you, 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 and you, out. All right, you were okay, yeah. you can stay. Uh but I mean, I get that. But you know what? Even even on times when I've had collaborations with people where it uh, where it hasn't worked out, and like maybe like uh, a friendship was damaged because of it, or you know, it's a you know becomes a weird professional grudge after, and you know that happens in the entertainment business. Um, I would mm-hmm. still say I learned something from a collaboration each yeah. time. So having a bad a collaboration that hasn't worked out doesn't deter me from collaborating with other people again it just it just tells me oh no not that person you know um yeah and you know we worked when we were when we were running uh, a show together for that that uh, mm-hmm. short time before you really decided you wanted to focus on uh, on rice as your as your main focus we had a we had a great way of you know like hey okay. You're in charge of the show this month. I'm in charge of the show next month. And that worked really well for us because we sort of knew, you know, yeah. uh, we, we wanted to have a show that we worked on together, but we were also were really stretched for time. So we figuring that yeah. we just made it easy on ourselves. And that's one of the great things about collaborating is knowing what your collaborating partner needs. And, you know, there would be a month where I would be like, look, I just need you to do this for me. And you would be like, done. Don't even worry about it. You know, and that's yeah. that's one of the great things about uh, collaborating is when you have that trust in the other person where you go like, I know this person's got my back, you know, and that's, that's one of the things yeah. that I've liked about our relationship as well. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm super happy that we're collaborating on this because this is our first project together since, the, um, since running, um, since running that, that monthly show together. And honestly, I, I will say like, it, that was an example of, I felt like I was kind of holding, holding you back. And, um, cause I, I, you know what the funny thing is not too, too personal, but I feel like we were just so polite that it was just, we, it's, it kind of felt like because like you would come up with these great ideas, right? Which you, you always you always have like great ideas, and then I just remember like you know you would save them and then we talk about them and then I'd be like, oh, why didn't you just do that? But then you were like so polite, you like wanted to check with me. I was like, no, 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 no. So at at a certain point, I was like, no, I feel like I'm holding this person back. And honestly, after I left, you started to do so many amazing things. You were doing like your promotion with like, you were doing these really, really funny videos. And I was like, (laughs) Oh my God. I was like, it just felt, I don't, like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all hindsight, but I, you know, it was, it was like, wow. Like you really got a chance to shine and like you really did and i'm not sure if you would have i don't know like i don't know maybe i read the situation wrong maybe i shouldn't have left i don't know but it like honestly afterward it seemed like this show like really blossomed without me and i was like you know i was like that's amazing you were just doing 
so many great things. And all the way leading up to, you know, the, this summer series of shows that you had, oh, um, yeah, which, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I was super happy to just be an audience member. I, I, of course, wanted to be there to support you. And I knew it was going to be amazing. And it absolutely was amazing. One of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Um, oh, my God. So Thanks. congratulations on all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the other thing I, I'll say too is for me, and maybe this is more from my engineering brain, um, and maybe it just shows I'm not compatible with most people for like regular <laughs> forms of collaborating, um, is I'm more of like, um, I don't know if this will make sense to anybody who's not an engineer, but like I'm, I'm more of like an open source collaborator where, so the idea of open source is it's like you create what you create, but mm-hmm. you you like you'll like leave the entire handbook everything you've done anybody who wants to know anything and they can take that and run with it and do what they will um mm-hmm. and like you know and I'm, I'm willing to sit down give advice you know even this coming up week i've got you know a few phone calls with people who 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 wanted to know like certain certain things of how things were done and for me that's that's more my type of collaboration of like building on each other's work and just being totally open and transparent um as opposed to it's sort of like what robert said before it's like you know i just think it just comes down to the decision making and sometimes as canadians we are just so polite (laughs) that's true that we just sometimes it's just better to you know I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying. And, you know. Um, no, but you know, I get that's you. When not... someone has a vision, when someone has a vision, and, and like what you're saying is, in, in, in for example, when you d- when we were uh, doing the comedy show at Comedy Bar together and, and you were yeah. like, oh, let, I'm going to let, you know, I'm going to go and do my thing and let Robert do his thing, you know, that, um, you know, even having the, the knowledge to and foresight to be like, oh, this person really wants to spread their wings, you know, like that's yeah. that's something that a good collaborator would do as well. You know, be like, hey, you know what? This is yours. I, I can feel this is really yours. So I'm going to let you do that and support you however I can without yeah. being in a partnership, you know. So, uh, I mean, collaborations can end amicably, you know, believe it or not. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that, that they can, you know, like a, a band can also just stop being a band and they don't have to hate each other after you know uh yeah but we love this idea of people get having you know oh it was a fight and you know that comes back to the movies like they manufactured a fight so that they had a movie to talk about to make you know so yeah yeah definitely it's uh i don't know entertainment is so interesting and you know now that i'm starting to work more on like short films and different things like Mm -hmm. that i think i'm having to start to learn um, to collaborate with people more. Um, oh, I will curve, say, <laughs> I, I will say like, you know, I do have like an unhealthy level of trying to do things on my own. And so I think like the film industry will be good for me because as you mentioned, it's literally impossible to do everything. So I think it'll just like, like there's so many support, there's so many resources, there's so many things out there. Um, now nowadays where people want to elevate voices of like minorities mm-hmm. and you know in spite of that like for my shows with with rice and whatever like i've literally just all done it <laughs> done it um you know not single-handedly because there's like obviously a lot of volunteers that really help and the community got 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 behind me but like as far as like reaching out and 
saying, hey, maybe I don't have to do everything myself. Um, you know, I'm maybe not the best at that, but um, I am learning that uh, other people can be helpful, which is yeah. probably a much healthier mindset to be in. Um, and don't underestimate how much people want to help either. Like, I think we all often underestimate uh, how much people... Uh, if if you have a uh, an exciting idea mm-hmm. that people want to be a part of it, you know, and I could, I mean, I saw that with Rice right right, right up until it uh, was the the big filming at Glen Gould with uh, uh, for the that big night. It was, um, you know, when you have a, a great vision, people want to rally behind that, and that's a, I mean that's another form of collaboration yeah. too. These people just they want to work with you because you mm-hmm. have uh, an idea that is, you know, uh, something, something aspirational even, you know, and when you can, when you have ideas like that, um, you'd be surprised how many people like just will come out of the woodwork and be there to, to help you realize that vision. So I hope you keep learning that Vong. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I am, I'm a slow learner. I'm a little <laughs> bit stubborn, but I, um, slowly learning, um, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, okay. I feel like, uh, that probably wraps up our topic. I want to thank, uh, thank Robert again for being on this show. We will be back with another LGBTQ movie in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm your host Vong show official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. Uh, thank you to everybody listening and we will be back soon. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 